Welcome into the PHNX Rising podcast. I'm Owen Evans, joined today by Ryan Sakura. Again? Again. You were in here last week, yeah? Yeah, Thursday? When, when do I get a t-shirt? I'm on the show enough at this point. Well, I can redirect you to a website where you might be able to acquire one of your own. Yes. Wait. Oh, I got to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And uh, behind the uh, computer over there as well, we have producer Sean DePaz. Who is uh, scrambling for a mic now? There yeah, what's go. good? How are we doing? How are we doing? <laughs> well, good. How how are you doing? I mean, the D backs are uh, they're a wagon. They're rolling. The yeah, um, they're doing pretty well. Uh, they got another game tonight. Six forty first pitch. Phillies, um, right? Yeah, game two against the Phillies. We got a chance to interview the one and only Corbin Carroll earlier today. So look out for that interview. It's a uh, it's, it's it's good times in D backs land. Indeed, it is not quite so good necessarily with Phoenix Rising. Look, it's it's not as bad as it could be. It's not as good as it could be at the moment. But let's specifically talk, I think, about what happened on the weekend, Ryan. Obviously, I had Jake with me after the game. I haven't yet heard too many of your thoughts on where things went right, where they went wrong for Phoenix Rising on that game on Saturday night. Why don't you kick it off with that? I kind of described it to uh, Peyton, the radio broadcast part, my radio broadcast partner, after uh, as undeserved. It didn't feel like a game where where Phoenix just kind of had anything. And uh, when Arteaga scored the goal, I kind of threw my hands up and in, in not like joy or disgust, neither or somewhere in between. So much so that our producer on the radio broadcast said over the microphone. Um, Ryan looks absolutely distraught with a 2-2 here because they just did not, they did not deserve that. But in some ways, you also have to look at it like that's the sign of a team that maybe needs to have results like that. We said that in Orange County when they got three points on the road. They didn't play very well, but they got the results. So this isn't three points on the road. It's a draw at home. But it still is a point when when you flat out did not play very well against in – a lot of ways, I think, an inferior opposition, even if they're higher up on the table. Yeah, I think the thing about Oakland, when they went into this game, their game plan very much was of the the elk that they were going to catch you, yeah. and then they were going to sit back. Right? Why, why do you have to try and bring the game to Phoenix Rising after you've taken a lead? And they do it twice. They do it twice because of bad, re- really, rising errors. I mean, the second in particular... Um, I mean, I spoke about yeah. the, this with, at length with Jake. Um, it was... Very interesting decision. It was, decision, it was, it was say, stupid. To, it was uh, it was it was pretty dumb. It's it's kind of that that schoolboy error where you don't you you tell people instinctively never pass that across yeah. the face of your own goal. And what does he do? Yeah, yeah. It was one of those. It's I, a shame I've actually done because it. I didn't think that Panos actually had that bad a home debut. No. Um, look, there were a lot of things to work on. Of course, there are though. He's still getting used to his new teammates. I wasn't expecting to see a completely polished performance out of him. Um, there were some positive signs. He was at least taking people on um, at times. But yeah, I suppose that, that puts a, a slightly awkward kind of note on his, his home debut, really. Yeah. I thought he played well. I thought he picked out space as well. I thought the system that they kind of switched to with Trejo... Trejo's not a nine. Let's be let's be very clear here. And I think it works because of the runs he was making. He was trying to find a way to get into channels and trying to not necessarily play as a true nine. But the problem when you have your striker working almost as a winger getting into those channels, 
and nobody is filling in behind him, there was nobody in the box. There was no Fede. There was no Panos. There was none of the Harvey runs that we've seen into the area. Zambrano's not going to make them either, right? No. So when Trejo's doing what you're asking him to do as a striker in the way you want him to play and making those runs into the channels, you you need you need somebody to get into the area to allow him to maybe provide some service. Danny's not going to be able to do it by himself, no matter how good he is. And that was probably the frustrating part about the game the most, I think, is that there were a lot of good patterns of play, but no help for Trejo, no help for Panos. And even I thought Fede wasn't too bad when he got on the ball, but it's it's Fede. When he's on the ball, he's good. When he's off the ball, it's it's hit or miss. Yeah, it's... It's an interesting one because it's just very different, I suppose, to what it's like when you have Arteaga out there and what you can be, what you'd be hoping for, what you'd expect to see. Um, and I, I suppose it's something you have to get used to it to a degree now, anyway, because at the moment there is no replacement for Arteaga that's anything even close to yeah. a similar. Especially with Conway out with of the Conway door leaving, yeah. that completely changes the complexion. I wasn't surprised at all to see. Um, that yeah, uh, he left on Friday. I think we we'd all kind of expected that in terms of he'd not been in the eighteen in Pittsburgh. He'd um depart. You know, he wasn't at training on Wednesday when we went there, and that's why I, you know, I I asked one about that, and he's well, there's an announcement coming down the line. I think that there's just something to to be said for the fact that he's going to have to try a lot of different things out with those um. Hey, maybe maybe this is the free that we're expecting. Now, BJ, I will say I haven't yet read John Morrissey's article. Um, it was I'm good. Sure you read it? It was good. Yeah, it's okay. it's it's a good read if you can find it and find the time. It was really, it, it, it paints a good picture of what it can be, not what it is now, not by any stretch, I think. It gives you a little bit of an idea of what it was against Roots, but it tells you the potential of what Juan Guerra has, and I think... It gives a rising fan or any fan, really, if you're a San Antonio fan like Harry, who is not happy with me here. But San Harry, go ahead and read it because it tells you a lot about what rising could look like maybe five, ten games down the road when they hit that crucial 25th game juncture that Juan has been talking about this entire time. Yeah, and, you know, you can look towards that kind of juncture down the road. The real question is, and I think, look, when you're at Phoenix Rising, the expectations are high. Everyone knows that. Juan knew that when he came in. Yeah. In a lot of ways, you kind of have to look at it and say, well, are we willing or is the fan base necessarily willing to give this time? And you see a lot of negativity starting to come out. I don't think that tells the full picture. Um, I also would question whether people necessarily have realistic expectations of this squad just more broadly. Um, I think that when you're going for a rebuild like this, there needs to be that transition period and there needs to be a, a, a period where you accept that your team is someone who should be competitive without necessarily being a competitor immediately. And the hallmark of being competitive is making a playoff spot. Right now, Phoenix Rising are in a playoff position. Yeah. Um, that's not something that I'm... I mean, down the line, if, if Rising are still struggling to adapt to this in a few weeks' time, maybe you revisit that and say, okay, are they realistically going to make the playoffs? The key thing is, at this point, they are in a playoff spot. I think that they are within touching distance to enough teams above them that it's not necessarily a, a moment of huge concern. Um, and so, hey, I, I mean, there's going to be a few tough games coming up. You've got Louisville. That's a weird one. They're a very weird team. 
it's just kind of like they they're like rising this year it's like there's all this expectation not nearly as much turnover in that regard because Lou City have just held on to guys and held on to guys over the years but in a similar way of like that's why there's the expectation with rising is not necessarily because of the rebuild and the coach and all the personnel because you could have whatever personnel in the world at Phoenix Rising it's Phoenix Rising. The expectation mm-hmm. is inherently going to be high. It's the same with Lou City, and they're not hitting their mark as well. They just sold Josh Winder, and Danny Cruz has been good over the last year or so, but he hasn't necessarily been able to figure it out this year. I think that it's two teams in similar spots. Again, not anywhere near the same from roster construction, but similar spots in that they can't seem to find an identity this year. They can't mm. seem to find their identity. That's been the key. Rising have always had the identity. Loose City have always had the identity. And as both teams have kind of tried to tweak the way their identity works this year, there's been some growing pains with it. Mm-hmm. I will say, actually, I'll, I'll address Michael here in the chat with this one. Yes, his team has been pretty poor, really, at yeah. times for the last month. I think I'm not quite saying that there's no room for any negativity about how they've been performing. I understand that this team should have gotten results, particularly the Vegas game, right? The Orange County game, they ultimately won. And sometimes you have an off game, but as long as you walk away with three points, you can broadly accept that, especially in this league where goal difference is not the first thing you've <laughs> got to consider when you're looking at, at yeah. tiebreakers. So really, in a lot of ways, it doesn't make huge difference whether you've won 1-0 or whether you're, you're winning 4 or 5 now. Yeah, and um, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the, we looked at that OC Vegas stretch and said that there were six or nine points over those two or three games that not necessarily needed to happen, but should have happened. And Rising only yeah. walked away with the win against Orange County. And you're looking well, they at ended that. With, they, they beat, um, who else was it? Uh, Hartford? Yeah, the Hartford, Hartford win as well. as well. That was the three-game stretch where we mm-hmm. said, win all three of these games and you look like the team you should be. And they didn't get all three. No. The no. other point is, I think, going back to your playoff spot thing, is this league is so weird. Like, you look at Memphis right now, who started horribly. We're the worst team in USL comfortably. And then have figured it out, and now are top five in the Eastern Conference. And all it takes is one good month for Rising and one bad month for, I mean, El Paso or San Antonio or anybody Colorado in the West. Colorado Springs. They Colorado started pretty Spring, yeah. They started pretty hot. We were, they were a team that took us all by surprise by how hot they started. And yet they... They've now fallen off. They're yeah. now at a point actually where Rising can take them based on their game in hand. Yeah. It's it's that's that's the league. It's like that's the point is Rising are and yet yeah, we're asking a lot of a team that hasn't been able to string together results and couldn't get the nine points from nine that we expected them to get. But they are a month away, three four games away from if you can take ten points and a team anywhere around you drops three or four, then then you're right mm-hmm. where you are and that's a top five spot in the playoffs, which is. I think pretty good for a first year rising full year with Juan and all these new pieces. And just to as well, just address this again with, with Michael, right? There's a difference here in terms of, I think a little bit of negativity, a little bit of concern, which I, I agree. There should be some concern. I think there needs to be some, a little bit of soul searching as to not just, you know, considering the fact that you can carry on and carry on and carry on. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Panos to a degree is, is perhaps part of that as well. In terms of they brought in a guy who's supposed to be creating chances. Again, that will take time to see an impact. You have to be a little bit patient with it. It's that. a different role as yeah. well. So that's going to take some changes for Panos. Even if that role fits him more than maybe his role did in Loudoun, and he was still creating a lot in Northern Virginia, well, hey, 
in a lot of ways, it's still mm. going to take time to adjust and figure out what it, what there is to figure out. And as Bandidos Blue Red is pointing out there, and this is kind of where I was planning on going in that one, there's a difference between negativity, concern, and wanting to see certain issues addressed within the squad. And what we've seen from certain elements of the fan base, which is much more negative in the sense of it's time to bring back Rick. Now, that's not the right decision to make at this time. I'm not sure... To be honest, if this would be the correct decision to bring him back to this club anyway at any stage. But the key thing is, is that I think the people who are targeting Juan specifically and are starting to move from concern, from issues with perhaps certain things, the way they're playing and wanting them to be addressed to the people who are moving beyond that and are saying time to get rid of the coach, time to look at other options. That, to me, is something that's... In, completely in, out of touch. Yeah. To I mean, be in, in some ways, it feels like remember the good old days. It's like let's go back to 2019 or 2020 or 20. You know, like let's go back to those. Let's go back eras. to when there was no one else in the league that did a great deal of anything. Correct. So, like, you have to look at where they had their success with Rick was a different era of what USL was at the time and now is. Everything is competitive. The standard is higher in this league than it has ever been. You could argue by quite a margin. I think it's way better than it was last year from top to bottom. And I don't think the top teams are quite as good as they were a year ago, but that's because they're losing points because the bottom teams are better. And even then, Sacramento, though, I think are legit, really good. legit in this yeah, league. And now, Pittsburgh now could be too. And Pittsburgh, I think, are turning out to be that team in the East. Um, now that they're out of the Open Cup as well, you'd imagine there's a little bit less concern around mm -hmm. fixture congestion. It opens up some more opportunities there. I think that, again, yeah, you're right. This league is completely different to some of the years past, and we always have to view what's going on in that context as well. I will say, you know what, we should address again, and I, every time I keep coming back to Michael's comments in here, but Get earlier on, on he was talking about the final third, and seeing other people talking about the final third as well. Let's look at the last game. I, I do actually, we've got a graphic to toss up here, and it shows where Rising were getting their chances. Now, I will say this. We, we've mentioned this multiple times this season. It's something that I think needs to continue to be addressed because it's not being addressed at the moment on the field, I don't think. This team still isn't, to me, putting in a 90-minute effort. What you see here on the left, all those black dots, those are chances. The bigger the circle, the higher the XG for that particular uh, opportunity. And then you see 45 to 80 minutes. They're chasing a game for a lot of that spell. And yet there's not much in the way of chance creation. Yeah, I nothing. think it's actually mostly coming in that last 10 minutes. The, the best chances that Rising have, they're coming in that last 10 minutes. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, over 50% of the expected goals this team has generated comes in the last 10 minutes of that game. And even then, you look at it and say, well, you see those two there close together. You got the yellow one, that was Manu's goal. You got the other black one there just above it. And that's that one was... Um, Babu's headed about two seconds Before prior. Yeah. Okay, and if you add those two together, they add up to more than one XG. Well, that's yeah. obviously not possible because, again, Manu's attempt only comes about because Babu misses his two seconds prior. Um, so that's actually a really good little warning sometimes about taking the XG values too literally. But yes, when you look at it, you've got more ch a good number of chances in the first half, but not particularly high quality chances you see very few chances in that 45 to 80 minute mark only three that i can count on there one of which is a goal by fede varela and that was actually a very weird goal as well because moment of magic from it. trejo well you, you watch it and it's just like trejo runs into fede who just smacks it 
pretty much. Yeah, and then you've got more chances again in that last 10 minutes. But that's when the chances start getting better. When they played a little more direct in some ways. Not to say well, you're that... you're starting to, to panic a little yeah, bit Yeah, not to that say that one style of possessional play is wrong, per se. But when they had to play a little more direct and they needed to play a little more direct and also... In context, Oakland sat off a bit more. That's when they were creating their best chances, when they were trying to get the ball into the final third areas and do stuff like that. I don't know. I think that when you look at that, it tells a story that's a little bit different because there's not a lot of chance creation, but there a lot of the chances are in and around the 60-yard box, in and around the penalty area, which is where you want to be creating chances. You look at some of the charts from last year, and I'm sure you'll see a lot more shots and a lot more low XG chances because... Last year around this time, Rising were just having a go from 25 yards from Sejas range and hoping it would work. So that's the tweak. That's the change. Is if you look at that graph, Rising aren't creating a ton of chances, but they are creating high opportunity chances, which is important for what you're getting at because eventually they're going to create more. Eventually over time, the repetitions and the rhythm will get there, and those high XG opportunities inside the six-yard box at the penalty spot are going to pay off because they're going to be happening so much more often. And I, I think it was BJ who put in the chat earlier, results matter to the fan mm -hmm. base, especially after what happened last year. And that's true. But at some point, trusting a, a process and trusting a model and a long-term vision is going to lead you to feel a lot more success, I think, later on. And that's what Juan's trying to build. And I'm not saying you can't be critical. Of course, you have to be critical because that's what pushes the the advancement of what they're trying to do by seeing the criticism and seeing what they need to fix and trying to learn and being fans that are both supportive and also understanding that, hey, they can play better. But it is this idea of there's a lot of potential in what you see with that XG map. There's not a lot of good stuff going on right now, but it's I'd take it over last year when it was a 2-2 draw from two wild shots from 30 yards from out. From Luis, Luis Mal, probably, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Smacking them from distance. I'd rather have that than what we got last year against Miami where Sejas had two wonder goals down the stretch. Mm -hmm. No, no, that's that's understandable. That's understandable. And look, I think you're right. You, you, again, you have to be patient because it, he's building something here. And long run, it's going to be, you would hope, yes, a positive. Yes, that's the key part, hope. Hope. However, again, I think it's, it's important to stress that sometimes what can happen, and I think we're seeing a little bit of this now, there needs to be a good amount of flexibility within that, though. The key thing, you don't want to be too rigid in your ways. While you want to consistently have the same principles, you want to consistently have the same identity as a team, there will be moments in games when you need to be willing to change things up. There will be games that you need to be willing to change things up. And it's not about turning to playing, I don't know, some kind of Neil Warnock-style Brexit ball, okay? No, seriously, no. But it's just no. interchanges within your exactly. little tiny exactly. tweaks. Do you think he's been too rigid? I, I don't know. Um, I think that at times it's... We kind of know what to expect. Look, again, the, the key thing about it is that there are multiple different ways that you can... I mean, it comes down to what he actually wants his identity to be, doesn't it, in a lot of mm -hmm. ways, okay? He wants to be a team that possesses the ball. He wants to be a team that dictates the tempo. That dominates the game. Okay, that dominates the game. Do you have to always do that in a very similar shape every game? No, you can tweak your... Exactly. You can tweak, which is what he does. He tweaks he does his tweak. opponent, and he I think does. sometimes he might toy a little too much. That's a good question, actually. Does he toy too much? I mean, we've seen it in the past. We've seen, I think, the game against Vegas is a degree of overthinking. Um, 
I also think as well, actually, it is a good point there by Bandidas Bluebird. Fede needs to contribute more, okay? He got a good goal, but he stole from, from Trejo, and he, he did, realistically, on Saturday. Goal's um, goal. <laughs> but no, I think that's a good point. I think the thing about Fede is that you typically see him do something, have a while from do, not doing anything, then he'll do one more thing, and then have another while where he doesn't really do very much. And it's, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I like that he's taking dead balls now from the mm. corner kicks. I like that he's taking corners because that gives him a little bit of the responsibility of step up. And his service hasn't been bad from corner kicks. I don't think there's really been any good service from set pieces at any point this year, but comparatively to everybody else who's tried it, he's, I think, been above average. I like that there's the responsibility being handed to him after he got benched a couple games, after they bring in a competitor in at the number 10 spot. He's been given a little bit of a role, which is, hey, we're going to give you this responsibility in the game, and let's see if that can get him elsewhere. And again, the other thing is fitness. Michael brings up a good point with Gabby coming back, and Quasho is maybe going to be back within the next two weeks. Mo, Mo Traore should maybe be back within the next two weeks. There's guys getting back into the fold. Gallardo's been on the bench the last couple games. Fitness matters too, and as these guys get more fit, they get the ability to be a little more versatile and a little more opportunistic of playing into different types of opponents and what we just talked about where it's like they're tweaking to certain opponents and trying to figure out how to break down and dominate certain opposition in different ways and having more opportunities to get different guys on the field helps that idea of you're going to mix and match and switch and swap to figure out what the best way is to go after another team indeed indeed well Hopefully we do see some of those changes start coming to fruition for the next game. And hopefully it won't be another of those ones where you feel the need at the end of uh, the final whistle to go off and get yourself a nice four peaks. Um, oh, you could you still get one go. anyway in celebration. Yeah. In yeah, celebration. Not in the sad kind of way that it's been in some of these recent matches. Of course, look, I remember back when, when Rising were winning a lot of games, I'd often go home and as soon as I get home, open up the fridge, get out of WoW. 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 Sean, what would be your uh, choice of beer for a, a victory? Uh, golden Lager. You go with the Golden yeah. Lager? <clears throat> Golden's in the name. I feel like it's the perfect celebration beer. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good wow. answer on the spot. That's a very good answer on the spot. He wasn't expecting that one to be tossed to him. But yeah, uh, make sure to check out our good friends at Four Peaks. You can follow them on social at Four Peaks Brew. And at Four Peaks Pub to get all the latest on Arizona's premier craft brewery. Check out Four... Uh, and, uh, God, I'm, I'm no Max, am I? I'm slipping on this one. Just remember, I you asked Owen be... if he wanted me to read them earlier, and he said he had them. So. Yeah. I, just remember, you must be 21 or older to drink Four Peaks. Please drink responsibly. And if you need to fill up in a different kind of way, you can head over to Circle K, fill up your car. Uh, the gas price is... We're still, fingers crossed, that they're going to be broadly in a downward trajectory. Fingers crossed. But regardless, of course, if you picked up your 10 cent gas card from a recent Phoenix Rising game and they were handing them out, I believe they were also handing them out at a D-backs game, Sean. But um, they, uh, they're they valid through August, so make sure to head on down there. You get extra money off of your gas. And while you're there, you might as well pick up a polar pump. Make sure you're not missing out by texting PHNX to 31310 to join their SMS subscriber club. You get a buy one, get one free offer on a 32-ounce Polar Pop. Head to circlek.com slash store dash locator to find Circle K's near you. That one was better. That was much smoother. Yeah. That was much smoother, yeah. Um, I wasn't earlier, it was a little bit choppier, I feel. It was a bit more like, 
we've seen Rising's defense sometimes in recent games. Um, we have our moments where you're watching the game and you see that one little error where they let someone in. How much of an issue now? I mean, is that the priority number one to you? It is. To me, it is. To me, that is the biggest priority right now. As we look at Phoenix Rising, they have to cut out those individual little errors that are shooting themselves in the foot constantly. They've played 13 games? Yeah, 13, 13 games. games. into the season? 13 games. I bet you it takes me two hands, so at least six games, where Rising has dropped points because of a mistake on their own part. Not because of an opposition moment of brilliance that you just can't stop, or a great move, or a great goal, or... You know, just the set, not even take away set pieces, which I would consider mistakes anyway, because you should never concede off a set piece, but sometimes you're going to. Just mistakes in build up and little moments, I think, have cost them in more than half of their games. It's cost them points in more than half of their games. So, whenever that's something, then it's always a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's always something you need to get rid of. If you are, if you have dropped points in seven of your 13 games at least by your own mistake, that's something you have to fix. It's not it's ideal. Discipline. It's not it's, ideal. It's, it's discipline. It's mental. It's 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 bad. Is what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. It's and at the end of the day, when when we speak about the th- fact that Rising is struggling with goals and struggling perhaps with chance creation, even if there are some positive signs there, um, it, it's not going to help you if you're conceding every game. No. You know, their inability to keep a clean sheet right now is a problem. It's a serious problem. Um, I think that. Ultimately, until you cut those errors out, I don't think Phoenix Rising is going to be consistently winning. They've got to work out. They've got to work out how they're going to start keeping clean sheets. That's a real issue now. Yeah, I mean, again, again, I think that the best sometimes, and many coaches have talked about this. This is what, as much as people joke about what Greg Berhalter has been as the US manager, he raised the floor of the team by making them better defensively, not by defending tighter, but by keeping the ball. And so in a lot of ways, what Juan does by having this possessional style should make them better defensively because they're having 60% of the ball. The opposition has less of a chance to score because they have less of the ball. But when you're making mistakes in buildup every day, when Panos Romanicus is taking a cross or a pass across his own 18, when Kevin Lambert is losing the ball on a dribble or stepping up, these mistakes are what cost you. Your style of play is what's cost you so far. I think in the long term, we go back to what we said earlier with the attack and the XG stuff. In the long term, this style should make them better defensively. But right now, in the growing pains of it, perhaps even more so than the attacking numbers, the mistakes are costing rising more in the short term simply because of the style of play that they've chosen to go after Mm -hmm. because they're still learning it. And that's, again, I think that's a little different than the XG because you can see the upside with the attacking play. Defensively, sometimes mistakes just never go away. No. And that's the curious part for me is how do they get the mistakes out of the team? Yeah, it's through consistent buildup and repetition and training through goal kicks and stuff like that. But it also is just, I don't know. I I have no clue what I'm going to get out of these guys defensively 10 games. I think they're going to score goals 10 games from now. I don't know if they're going to not be conceding. In fact, I would wager that they'll still be conceding goals off silly mistakes 10 games from now just because of how open the back line is, where the center backs go, the space that Zambrano takes up. There's just a lot of different nuances to the way they try and play that lead to mistakes, Mm -hmm. and I think that's the biggest thing that Juan has to fix. There's actually some interesting question in here from BJ. Um, I mean, he's he's pointing out as well that it's not uh, the biggest issue, 
I presume is what he's saying there. It's not coming out and playing in the first half like they do in the second. I'd agree with that. We actually were talking earlier about the one stat about how rising is it ten games now out of the thirteen yeah. they failed to score in the first half. Ten That's games a out of the thirteen they failed to score in the first half. That's worse than rising, the league. Rising. That's worse than the league when trailing at halftime are winless. So you can't score in the first half, and you lose when you're trailing at halftime. That's mm. never a good solution. No, no. In fact, this is the first time out of a. This last game was the fourth game that Rising trailed at halftime. Um, and it's the first time that they ultimately um, get, you know, managed to get anything out of that game. The other three they'd lost. Yeah. So, hey, I mean, slight progress in the right direction there, I suppose. But the other question is, as players start coming in now, some of the guys, I mean, we've been expecting, I think, and seeing Uzo and Manjoma out wide, um, Gallardo, Gabby coming back in. How are they going to... How are they going to fit in? Uzo's an easy one because he's just a wing back that's going to be really advanced. Um, the 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 Gabby Gallardo Quasho fit. Gabby and Gallardo. Oh, well, Gabby is another. Gabby can play Gabby. as a wing back, but the, you you bring up the question then of Gabby Gallardo can play in that role, and so can Quasho. But he, it's very clear Juan wants to use him as a ten, yeah. as a Fede or, an, or a Panos. I think Manjoma's been Rising's best player over the last month. And it's, I think Gabby and Gallardo might fit that spot better as a natural fit than Eddie Manjoma does. Mm. But it's hard to take out a guy who's been maybe your most creative outlet for the past four, four and a half games. And mm -hmm. that's where the real question mark comes in. Uzo slides in pretty easily in the wingback role. He did last game. And then it goes Gallardo, Gabby, and Manjoma for me. And Gallardo has the pace. He has the ability to stretch. And I think that adds an asset to this team. I think more so as a 10 maybe than anything else because he gives you a little bit of a variation to that spot because you have Trejo who likes to get on the ball and dribble. You have Fede. You have Panos who like to get on the ball and create. And you have Gallardo who just likes to stretch and get on the ball over and behind. Gabby, I think, is probably the guy that plays the left back spot. I think Gabby probably mm -hmm. starts over Eddie. Uzo's the right wing back. Gabby's the left wing back. Your front three is Panos, Fede, and Trejo. Your midfield double pivot is as clear as day with Zambrano and with Harvey. And your back three has been pretty much your back three every game mm -hmm. they're fit. So you're looking at that's probably what happens. Quasho just kind of plugs in as a as a substitute when you need to change the pace of a game. And I think he'd be really good at that, just in how he's a little bit different. Then Panos, he's more similar, I think, to Panos than he is to Fede, but he gives you a change of pace. Gallardo gives you that as well off the bench. Eddie can give you something off the bench. So Gabby probably would be my starter at left back. Uzo, again, I think is an easy, natural fit outside of that front three because they're going to play a little more narrow, mm -hmm. which means Uzo's got more space. And we've seen what he can do when he's got space. He likes to take guys on, get to the end line, cut it back. He's perfect for the system. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say here as well, actually, just to, to Michael in the chat, my, I keep keep replying to Michael in the chat. He's uh, he's Gallardo hasn't today. showed me anything. I will say that, in fairness, I don't think he's had really he enough minutes not. to show you very much at this point in time. Yeah. He hasn't really been given the opportunity to do very much. Artiaga, I mean, there's the question as well from BJ. I mean, the, that's the interesting one, right? Because you'd expect there that Artiaga, if he's... Playing off the bench, mm -hmm. realistically, what happens is he's going to replace one of those front Probably three, Fede. and then Trejo drops yeah. back. But then, if that's happening, maybe where does Quasio get as many minutes? Yeah, I mean, I if you had to ask me personally, I, I don't know why Arteaga doesn't start. I get the idea with Trejo as the nine; he's been a great goal scorer there in this league over the last couple of seasons. 
Arteaga just fits perfectly into what this can be. And he's he's not always on it. He's he's either giving you an 8 out of 10 or a 4 out of 10. That's admittedly not a good thing for a striker. You want consistent 6, 7 out of 10s mm-hmm. from those guys. And maybe the occasional 8 or 9. He's, he's either giving you a stinker or he's giving you a great game. Mm-hmm. So Arteaga, I think, is my ideal 9 for how it is. But then who do you drop? It's probably Fede. That being said, we haven't seen enough from Panos to say, is he better than Fede yet? So... All these problems are good problems when you've got this much talent to have. But you could also make the argument that like a team like Monterey Bay or a team like Pittsburgh, who have a very pretty clear starting 11 and are having a little more success above what they're expected to be doing, whereas Rising are performing below what they're expected because they have, and those teams have a little less conundrum in their starting 11. They know what they've got. They know their two or three subs that they've got, and they know what they're doing. It's like Inter Milan in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. You saw the same starting 11 every single knockout stage, pretty much, give or take a few. And you saw the same four or five substitutes come on every game at the exact same time. They knew what their identity was. They knew what they were doing. They had a plan. And because of that, they overperformed where they should have finished in the Champions League. That's what's happening with Pittsburgh and Monterey Bay right now, is they're doing a little bit better than they should. Rising or underperforming because they've got a lot of problems to solve. Because they've got so many different guys that could start, could fit in. And I think it's a good problem, but it also could be something that's holding them back. Well, that's also, it plays into, we were speaking about errors earlier. That's something that plays into that, right? Yeah. When you're playing alongside the same 10 guys every single game. It's cleaner. It's a lot cleaner. You get used to each other's tendencies a lot quicker. You start to just perform as a more cohesive unit. Yeah. And yet when you have consistent changes, many of them forced, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, but now as we get towards a point whereby rising are expecting to be much closer to full fitness. Um, not quite, you know, as forced anymore. Yeah. Um, now it becomes down more to preference, down to Fit. quite what one feels like yeah. doing on any given week. Um, it, it's again raising, I suppose, the question then of, okay, how important is that consistency in the lineup to making sure that they're trying to cut some of those errors out? Yeah, Um and again, that's the point. Is We've talked about it as well already on the show, and you just alluded to it. Juan likes to change what he wants to do based on the opposition. And that means you need a lot of options. But that also means that you're, swip- you're swapping and switching and moving guys around, which creates a lack of coherent stuff. So then you're seeing where some of the problems might be coming from. I think the problems are a little deeper mm-hmm. rooted than that in terms of the style and trying to figure out how they actually want to break teams down and less well, it's so... Still, it's still a degree of, yeah, I think, it's asking part of it. fundamentally USL players yeah. to uh, play a style that's quite demanding, yeah. um, that doesn't always leave as much room for error. Kevin Lambert's not mistakes. John Stones. Right, right. And that's... Uh, yes, you're not coming against players of the caliber that those top players are going to be coming up against in the way that they may or may not press you or the way that they'll cut out yeah. passing lanes. But you're still asking you're them to do the still same things. trying to yeah. execute certain things yeah. in ways that there's just a greater margin for error when you're looking at players typically of this mm-hmm. level. Um, it's, I, I don't know, it, it's an interesting one right now because I think you are correct in many ways that, look, this team is going to keep getting better. They're going to ultimately get to um a much better position i think by the end of the year they probably will make a pl- make the playoffs reasonably comfortably if they don't make the playoffs um, that'd be kind of crazy that eight would be, teams out of the western conference make if the playoffs. they don't if they don't make the playoffs i think the comments about whether fans on the hot seat or not are reaching a point of just being a little bit not up for debate at that stage because as, as you Very said eight hard. out of 12 you can't not make the playoffs re- rebuild year or not um 
but I, I don't know. I, I feel as though there's still a long way to go. The problem is at the same time, you've got these free games coming up in a very short spell of time. And these kind of spells either are typically going to really bring the team together a little bit and and maybe they kick on and address it and things, get a bit of momentum going. Mm-hmm. Or they don't really give you as much opportunity to work on things that aren't going right. Yeah. Um, you are constantly in a flux of having to swap players in and out because they can't play 270 minutes over eight days. Yeah. Um, and... I mean, add to that as well that, of course, the Gold Cup is coming up, and I don't believe CONCACAF have released the full squads. The US released theirs today, but... Um, yeah, is Harvey... I don't think Harvey's going to be there. He's not going to the Nations League. Okay. Um, Harvey, it is, so that's the question. Lambert will be at the Gold Cup. That that would stun me if he's not representing I mean, it's possible that Jamaica. he doesn't. Shout out. I'd be, I think, I'd be surprised I, if he wasn't. I'd be surprised. He it's should possible. be there. Lambert should be there. Harvey... I would imagine is among Panama's group. Yes. In the twenty three for the Gold Cup. Like that would that would surprise me if he wasn't. Outside of that, I mean, I'm trying to think of any other names that could slide in. You're but that's still two of your three most important players, I'd say, up there with Treo. It's Harvey. It's that, that's kicking off. I mean, Jamaica's opening game is the same day as Rising's away trip to Oakland. Yeah. So who's and that, that becomes the question of like, who's your Harvey replacement? Who's your Lambert replacement? Because mm-hmm. you really have seen that those five at the base, the two midfielders of Zambrano and Harvey, and the back three of Fuenmayor, Lambert, and Crutzen, who's the guy who slots in? And and BJ brings up Mo. Well, Mo's not even in in any sort of training yet, as far as we know. He's uh, he still, wasn't last week. We'll he wasn't last week. We'll see tomorrow. tomorrow. So we'll see. But that's the important one. Because if, if Traore is fit, he slides in as the center back, and he can do some of the similar jobs. Crutzen's going to have a lot more demand on him with mm-hmm, the ball because mm-hmm. Traore is not Lambert no. with, with the ball at his feet, and that's that's being polite. The, the, the one I have is, is, is Harvey because your two alternatives to Carlos Harvey are Jose Andres Hernandez and Carlos Anguiano, who are nowhere near the same player as Carlos Harvey. They're mm-hmm. tidy, get the ball, two touches, move it along. They're not going to drive. And that's going to ask a lot more of Zambrano. And we've seen that when Zambrano's role is asked to be a lot more, he struggles a little bit more. He can't always quite get you that next level of his game. Yeah. So there's a lot of curiosities with the Gold Cup, and that'll happen when it happens. That's why Lou City this week and New Mexico are very important. Yeah. You need to get results before these guys go off and move well, I along. Mean, in New Mexico, they... I'm not sure what the report date is. Might even miss New Mexico. Yeah, Lou City's an important. This is an important game, not just because it's Louisville and it's a historic USL team that are struggling. Yeah, but yeah, it's they're a, in a very weird place. It's right now. important because this is maybe your last chance to get something going rhythmically before your guys have moved along. Your two big pieces have moved along in the back five. I'm just stirring off into the distance at the moment, looking at Michael's chat. Carlitos. Carlitos, is he really the answer in there? I don't know. But Harvey. He's been good when he's very, played. He's been Carlitos good when he's played, but he's, he's played, been good not when Harvey. He's played, but he's not Carlos Harvey. Yeah, that's, and that's that's fair. Um, Right. Anyway, this has been quite a negative one, I feel, so far. It's needed, right? It's needed to, to discuss some of these. I think there's still reason to be positive about the work that they're yeah. putting in, the direction overall that the team we're expecting to see them going in. But, of course, they do need reminding sometimes that certain things just aren't good enough without um, max it was always going to be a little more without max cool. it was always i mean that's the thing max is normally here to try and brighten the mood um uh, but 
Not necessarily without Max here. Maybe things are a little bit more negative when it's me doing it. That's all those years years of watching Cardiff. It's all those years of watching Cardiff play. It's beaten the hope out of me. But anyway, what can help you watching Cardiff? You're making the transition for me now. Yeah, you are. You are. You are. Uh, I was about to say that maybe we need to chill out after this one and uh, good uh, opportunity to chill out. Going. I don't believe Max stocked up on any OGs in the office before he decided to leave for South America, which is a a true disappointment here. (laughs) But um, you know, you can go and get your own OGs from your local dispensary. They've got lots of different varieties. They've got mixed bags out now. They've got the fruits, watermelon, red apple, and peach. They've got the creams, which is blackberries and cream, orange creamsicle, peaches and cream. It's next week, isn't it? June 21st, next week? What's today? The 13th? So next Monday is the 21st? Yeah. It's next week. It's next week. It's not Monday. Today's Tuesday the 3rd. Oh, wait, it's not Monday. Yeah, It's eight days from now. That's bad math. (laughs) I'm tired. Sorry. There we go. Next week. Next week, they're dropping the new pink lemonade flavor. That one's coming out on the 21st. You can check out OGs online at ogsbrands.com and on Instagram at ogsbrands as O-G-E-E-Z brands. You can also find their products at your local dispensary. Remember, you must be 21 years or older to purchase. And of course, at some point soon, we're going to have to get it on the agenda. Another trip down to Valley Tap Room. Uh, Lots of beers down there. 30 beers on tap. Plenty more in bottles and cans around the corner in the fridges. And they have an extensive wine selection. They've got a limited bar food menu. You can also bring food in from elsewhere. Have a great time there. Go check them out. We'll make sure that we're down there again at some point for a trivia on Tuesday. It's going to have to happen at some stage. Uh, check out all the awesome things they've got going on on Instagram. You can find them on there at Valley Taproom. And make sure to pay them a visit off the tour to Gilbert. Hopefully we'll get back there soon. And Max uh, will... Well, maybe Max won't come along and then we'll go and win trivia without him so that he can't claim that he won trivia. He'll still claim it. He'll still try and claim that somehow, some way. Max is responsible for winning trivia there for us. But right, you know what? Let's have a look around USL Championship. And then after we do, we? I wonder, uh, really quickly, you don't have to even acknowledge it. I wonder if Quaisho could replace Harvey and play as one of those eights. I want, I just, I'm curious about that. That's he, interesting. He could, he's a dribbler, he's a carrier. He. I, I wonder, I don't know. That's a side note, I will see. That's a very interesting side note. Um, I'll have to discuss that maybe at a different time. Uh, but let's have a look at some of those results from the weekend. RGV3, Miami 3. Not necessarily the one that I'd expect to leap off the page with me, but a lot of goals in that game. A classic Anthony Hudson 3-3. You love to see it. No, that never happens. And our, I'm, RG3... I'm surprised. There's two teams that have struggled a lot here, and RGV actually got the equal. Well, Hub Ockley, very, very right? Late He's played a striker the last 10 minutes. It's awesome. 90-plus... Seven. Colorado Springs absolutely battering Orange County. That Orange County team, 18 months ago, was a wagon that could not be scored on for like two months. And now they just concede goals left, right, and center. Yeah. It's nuts. It's it's a wild mm-hmm. turn. Can we give a shout out as well? Las Vegas Lights won Monterey Bay FC 2. Monterey Bay get a goal at the very end. I'd like to shout them out for the fact that they're broadcast was apparently sufficiently broken in some way, shape, or form that they ended up on ESPN Plus just streaming Spideo footage, which is the, the tactical cam available there. That's cool. No kind of graphic elements, no commentary, just Spideo footage, which also started partway into the game. 
USL. Yeah, so that USL. was possibly the worst USL broadcast they've had since back in the YouTube days. Um, which is impressive because normally Vegas is one of those teams who I don't give much credit to their broadcast quality anyway. But it turns out, yes, it can be worse. <laughs> um, other games there, lots of red cards in that Indy 11 against Harvard Athletic game. Three, right? It finished 9v or 10. The violent conduct read six minutes into the match. The kick out after a, a bit of a collision with the goalkeeper. Uh, one of them was for... Denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. That one comes late. You kind of expect it at we that point. We love a good dog show. It's one, it's one all. You're going to take those kind of cards at that point when you're deep into stoppage yeah. time. You know, it's, it's taking one for the team to a degree. Um, and then, of course, Tristan Hodge sent off for a second bookable offence early in the second half. I will say, actually, we, should, we would be uh, remiss if we didn't talk about the other big news story in USL Championship coming out from today and Eric Quill being named as the manager of New Mexico United. He will replace Zach Prince who, re who departed for uh, New York Rebels. He's an assistant coach there uh, to Troy Lezane. Yeah. His former boss, of course, in New Mexico. That's, I, I mean, it's not a surprise to any of us. We were talking about even last week about how that was what it sounded like was happening with him. Um, Eric Quill is an interesting name, a guy who, look, he, he had success with North Texas early doors. They won the very first season of League One. Mm -hmm. All downhill from there, though, um, progressively getting lower on the table. I don't know how much to read into that. I don't know how much to criticize him for or not for because it's a reserve team. And those teams are always incredibly And that reserve hard team was handle. very talented. I think Jonathan Gomez, I think Ricardo Pepe, Arturo Rodriguez was on that North Texas team. Ronaldo Damas. Ronaldo Damas was on that team. So very talented North Texas team. I just love USL's propaganda machine. On the header for the his the announcement like article, it was has been directly responsible for the development of Ricardo Pepe, Jonathan Gomez. Two of like the premier talents that have been able to play in this at this level, these lower levels over the last three, four years. And he's like, yeah, he he's the guy. He he made them them. And it's like, mm -hmm. can we just consider that they both came through FC Dallas's academy and that's the real reason? And then one of them went to Lou no, City. No, got a point to him. Got a yeah, point to him. Of course. And I think he's a good manager. And anytime you can associate yourself with FC Dallas is a good thing. And he's also, he's coming from Crew, right? Where he's worked yeah, with, he was an Wilfred Nancy, yeah. with Wilfred Nancy, who's been widely regarded as maybe the best coach in MLS this year, was the brains behind Thierry Henry's operation at Montreal. So he's rubbed shoulders with really, really highly touted managers mm -hmm. so i i think mm -hmm. i think it's a good i think it's a good get at the end of the day we can make all the jokes about how usl said he's directly responsible for this and that and how his north texas sc team was really good even if he was or wasn't good but i think it's a good hire it's a guy who's put himself in different spots and absolutely new mexico should be happy they got a guy that i think is going to be very very well regarded across this league we'll, we'll see what happens new mexico is not he's a well regarded i think though there is Look, from what some people are talking about, I think what you're looking at with him now is not so much a rescue operation it's this a season. It's a project, right? It's a youth project. And that doesn't try and mean that you can rule them out this season because, again, it's eight out of 12 teams, right? Yeah. They're not that far out of the playoffs themselves. They're currently ninth. sitting in ninth, okay? They're not far out of it at all. So you can't rule them out. However, yeah, it's, it's not an ideal spot to be in. Now, I will say this as you look at some of the things he's done. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely had success elsewhere, but USL Championship, of course, not being a league that he is familiar worked with. directly with, not yeah. that he's been familiar with. 
at the same time there were some issues i get the impression that there were some issues at times in the camp over in new mexico under the previous management maybe there's an improvement on that sense he's a guy who New Mexico, and I know they spin it as they always will. They spin all of these things around the community and all of that. But they're trying to suggest now that he's actually someone who's going to fit in well. It's going to be in there. Bring back her, says Michael. I'm not sure that one's going to happen anytime soon. Um, we were just talking about how many players Rising had in the attack. They were completely overloaded. They're not going to bring Garak Hurst back. Owen oh, shot that down so fast, Michael. I'm sorry. He, he, that, that's it's rude. not that, that I wouldn't rude. like to see him back. It's not that I don't think that they shouldn't. They were correct in the way that they disposed of him previously. And yet, yeah, yeah I, I just don't foresee that one happening at all. We'll have to see. I mean, the interesting thing about it is that you've looked at how he's played in the past and the, the different manner of, of press that he's adopted, the different ways that he's set up. I mean, he's. When he was in North Texas, he was more of a four-back kind of guy. You know, up in Columbus, of course, they don't play with four at the back. Yeah, he's been an assistant um, with a back three. He's been an assistant there, so which way is he going to be inclined to go with now? Yeah. Um, you never quite know. I don't know. It's it's interesting. Um, I feel as though Rising is going to get them potentially at a good time in terms of very, very early on in his uh, spell as a manager. This is going to be their second game. They will be home on Saturday playing against RGV before they play Rising on the Wednesday. Um, it's going to be a tough one. I mean, it's not as though the impression I've gotten is that he's not been hanging around there for a while prior to this. So he's very much just arrived on the scene. I'd want to be as late to arrive to Albuquerque as humanly possible as well. So I, I respect him for that. Yeah, i got to go there next week, haven't I? He's excited. Yeah, you can tell I'm very excited to go back to Albuquerque for the second time this season. <laughs> I'm really, really thrilled. But um, before we wrap up this around the USL little look, we should talk about three games tomorrow. Hartford against Detroit. That one played at four. El Paso playing Las Vegas. That will be at six. Mm. And San Diego facing San Antonio FC at Torero Stadium, 7 p.m. Arizona time kickoff. That last one is the interesting one to me. Hartford Detroit is boring as anything. Hartford really. Detroit sucks. El Paso should dispatch a Vegas at home. San Diego San Antonio to me is the game in this. Is San Diego has is San Diego still really been bad at home? I know the last time I was on the show they hadn't weren't very good. I believe. Well, they they drew against Sacramento in this last home game, which is a good result at home. I, I don't think there's any complaints about that one. But then San Antonio have been really iffy as well in recent weeks. I mean, just this season in general, right? They they batter Charleston. They get the result against New Mexico at home. You look, their last two games are draws. They played San Diego Loyal, actually. And this game. is where it could be interesting. Is I think it's going to be quite an ill-tempered match after what happened in San Antonio. The two red cards, 3-3. Yeah. Three, three. yeah, I, I think, think it was a good game. It was a very memorable match. game. It was, and it was very memorable as well for the fact that USL managed to somehow mess up its IDP, the Independent Disciplinary Panel. Get someone, uh, I believe it was Stoneman, uh, was supposed yeah. to be suspended mm -hmm. for a game by the IDP. They had to rescind that because they couldn't follow their own procedures. That's a, an interesting one. Ricardo Fierro, given the uh, the whistle for that match. Ricardo Fierro. That means Fernando's on the game too. I think they're brothers. He's the AR. I don't know. Owen and I are weird. Stop looking at us. We, we, we know. Yeah, I know. But anyway. Don't um, go down the rabbit hole. Owen. Yeah, we'll, we'll 
definitely not go too far down that rabbit hole. We're going to have to speak later in the week, I'm sure, about uh, Demianchuk having the whistle for Owen's favorite referee is yeah, he, on the whistle uh, He's the, the one who handled game. San Antonio rising earlier in the season and handled, for anyone who watched the my. Into Miami against Birmingham Legion. I can't believe we've gone this whole show talking about the last game and not brought up either of the penalty shouts either. Yeah, that's true. Um, It was uh, the 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 Jai one was a no doubter, and you brought up that he he sold it wrong. And I think did you guys probably talk about it in the the post game pod? He he sells it wrong because the arms just flying up, which doesn't. It makes it look dramatic, but then when you watch it back, it's It's a uh, exactly grab around the neck. It's a penalty. It's an easy one. Yeah, it's a penalty. Um, So Malik Badawi missing that one. Um, You can add that to the list of gripes I'm sure Rising fans have about Malik Badawi. Um, We know there's no love lost there between Rising's fan base and that particular referee. Uh, You know what? That's drawing us, I think, to a relative close. Shout out Michael for having the last six Shout out Michael. Yeah, he's uh, still going at it. Still going at it. Still having a good time in there, Michael. But... Before we go, just remember, of course, you've got Father's Day coming up this weekend. We've got the Father's Day sale ongoing on the PHNX Locker. Buy one, get one half off on all shirts and hats through until the 18th. So make sure to check that out. phnxlocker.com. You've got the, the PHNX Rising Scarf. I saw someone out wearing one of those at the game on a Saturday. Are those the thin see. ones you always talk yeah, about? The nice material yeah, that you like? Yeah, I saw someone out wearing it. Um, looking down from the press box, it's just a guy walking bars. Well, now. Owen, go a week without mentioning the Thin Material Scarves Challenge. It's, it's impossible. He can't. <laughs> it's good, though. They're good, they're good stuff. They're good stuff. And uh, you can also get multiple T-shirts. we got different, all the ones for the different beats. Lots of different stuff. I'm actually currently wearing a uh, Coyotes T-shirt. Like I, said, Coyotes. I, I think I've earned a T-shirt at this point. I've, I've been on... We'll, two, we'll three, see. We'll four, see. Five... You've done quite a few by now. I think I, I think I got six. I think Jordan. Well, you know what? I hear if you go to the phnxlocker.com, you can actually get buy one, get one half off, which that's a great deal. Yeah, you should definitely good. take up on that one. It is a pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. I so, yeah, make sure to check indulge. that out. And make sure as well to tune in on Thursday, 6 o'clock, when uh, there'll be more talk looking ahead towards Rising's match against Loose City, breaking that down a little bit more. We'll have to see as well what happens in those games tomorrow. Probably have some things to talk about, especially if San Diego San Antonio blows up in the way that it might very possibly do. So make sure to tune in on Thursday at 6. You know where, you know when. Until then, good night.